Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to our little section about marketing. Um, this is my wife, Kirsten, John and Pam's daughter, who you may have seen us if, we were, if you were here for the first session. Um, I kind of first wanted to, before we really get into it, just tell you a little bit about ourselves. Um, we'll come back to the slide in just a second. But um, so this is us. You can see the picture of, of Kirsten and I in the strawberry field. That's where our relationship kind of started, picking strawberries together. And uh, so it remained a, a, a significant part of our relationship, so much so that the uh, exact field that we started our relationship on the left was the one we got married on the right a couple years later, and now that was two years ago. Um, and the picture there on the bottom, we continue to manage the farmer's market for Bountiful Blessings Farm um, that happens every Tuesday during the summer. Um, we recently completed our tiny house. We live in a little uh, 10 by 22 tiny house on wheels on the farm property. And uh, we have a little nook off grid. You can see our solar panels there. And now we do kind of a mixture of some things. We do quite a bit of um, international traveling, doing filmmaking with our filmmaking business. Um, we've been to Africa a couple times recently, a number of other places. And just this summer, Kirsten has begun um, what we're, we're still exactly defining the name, but right now it's called Local Blossoms, a um, flower, growing cut flowers for sale, and farmer's markets have been mostly our avenue for that so far. So for some, marketing can be one of the most difficult parts of the market garden picture, and I think that really that's, that's the area where I feel like there's, there's a lot of room to, to grow. Um, there's a lot of resources out there for how to grow beautiful things, but just growing beautiful things doesn't automatically mean money in the bank account. So this is a kind of a crucial step that, that we and many of you may find challenging at times. So we're no experts, but we just want to kind of share a little bit about our experience, and maybe you can g glean some tips from that that might be beneficial for yours. First, I want to ask you all a question. We presented a very similar presentation last year at the market gardening track. So I'd just like to see your hands if you were here last year and already heard this presentation. Okay, so we have a pretty new audience. All right, you get the full deal. So here are some of our goals. Yeah, a little bit so. So, so here's our goals. We want to look at ideals for different marketing avenues. Some of them we'll just brush over because they're going to be talked about at a different time. Some pros and cons from our experience and some practical tips from far, for farmers marketing, something that every market gardener will probably experience at some time. In addition to a few little details about uh, maybe social media, if time permits, and um, that kind of covers what we're going to do here. Okay, so we're going to very briefly run through just some, so here are just some marketing options that just to get you thinking along the marketing train of thought. So farm stands is one, farmer's markets, CSAs, which mom and Joshua are going to cover in a little bit, online marketing, restaurants, and wholesale. Hopefully that's up there. So today, the one that we're going to cover is farmer's markets. That's the one that we have enjoyed running together a lot, and Mom and Joshua are going to cover some of the other ones. Okay, so here are some of the pros that we see for farmer's markets. You have a lower, lower growing pressure 
on yourselves. If you're doing it for CSA, like that produce is already sold for. Markets, you just take what you have and you sell what you have, hopefully. Um, you have more one-on-one -on -one interactions with customers than you're gonna have at like wholesale. So that's another pro. Financial rewards for being first at market with something. So if you're the first with tomatoes in the spring, you can charge a lot for those tomatoes. And whereas wholesale, you don't see so much difference in your price, your price point range. Some cons, it's very weather dependent. So if you have a rainy day, your sales are gonna go down and you don't make as much. Whereas CSA, people are committed to it. They're not quite so committed. You have to really work to get your people committed to come every single week for the farmer's market. So that is, that is a con. Inconsistent sales, you know, people vacation in July. So our sales in July or August are always really low because again, they don't have that commitment to come every single week. So that's something that you can, you can try to build that commitment through your marketing strategy, but that just takes time. A competition, you know, there'll be other farmers there. And so you have to really work to make sure your presentation and the produce that you're selling is a higher quality and are going to attract people to your stand. So competition could be a pro and a con. It's kind of depending upon how you look at it. And the more successful you are, you know, the more people that you have in line, the less time you have for one-on-one -on -one interactions. Whereas CSA, you know, you have less people that you can spend more time with, but it kind of has, it has its two sides. And you can tend to have more waste, but it depends upon your market situation. Like our, our farmer's market, somebody comes by at the end and they take whatever's left that we want to give for like a food project or for feeding the homeless. So it, that part, you can have less waste, you can have more waste depending upon how you want to deal with it. So a farmer's market can be an excellent way to kind of get your business going when you are getting your business going because there's not the pressure you take what you have, you sell what you have, and if you don't have what you have, they're not going to buy what you don't have. Um, and even if you do progress onto a CSA or other kinds of marketing avenues, it's a great idea just to have a presence at a farmer's market, just to get those conversations going with people, just to kind of get yourself out there. Um, and that, that can be a profitable addition as well. So this is just a little image of our market stand. We started with this particular market when it was very small, it was just beginning. Weren't we there for the first year? Um, and we kind of made this agreement with them somehow, I wasn't around at this point, but that we'd get two canopy spots. We'd get a corner where we could put two. Um, and somehow we've ended up being like the only farm there that has two spaces, I, I think. Um, so that's our space and we, we try to fill it. Um, so now we're gonna go through just a few tips on how to choose an actual specific market. Okay, so the first point is it's very important that you choose a producer's only market. So look in your area, see what farmer's markets there are. Hopefully there's, there should be quite a few options, but you really need to find a producer's only because if you're at market with other people who aren't growing the stuff themselves, they're going to undercut you, they're going to charge less, they're not working, they're not sweating for this stuff, and it's unfair to you and it's unfair to the customers to have you know, this discrepancy. And of course, they're probably going to tend to go to the person who charges less. And that's just, that's not a good situation for either of you. So look for a producer-only market. Another thing is the market manager really makes or breaks the market. So you want to look for somebody who is taking control of the situation, doesn't let people sell before, like our market starts at 3.30. You can't sell before 3.30. You know, just have 
a good market manager present, somebody that's not like selling at the market, which is oftentimes the case, it'll be like a farmer and they're selling and their market manager. That's not a good situation. You have that conflict of interest, you don't want that. So you're looking for a good market manager, producer only, desirable location. You're wanting to look for a town or city that's mid to upper class, you know, lots of moms, lots of kids. You're wanting that family atmosphere. It's awesome if it's outdoors. Our best market is in a park. It's a great setting. You know, moms come with their kids and their dogs, and it's just a very family-friendly atmosphere. That's the best. Now, you can't always choose that. So, you know, if yours is under a pavilion, you stick with it. You do the best that you can. But if you have the option, choose one that's going to be family-friendly. And then try to find one that's going to be large enough, that has, you know, enough vendors that's going to really attract the crowds. Our market, our best market, has about 35. Now, only five or six of those are farmers, but it has a mass of enough people that it really attracts people. If they're driving by, their eye catches this field of lots of tents. Whereas if there's just five of you, you know, there's going to be less, less traffic through. So the aerial shots that we have are actually from this year's last market, and we ended up in the parking lot, which is not normally our spot. We're usually off in the grass, but that market day was actually, ironically, too dry to be in the park because the park has strict limits. It can't, if it's too wet, you can't be there. If it's too dry, it was too dry. So we were in the parking lot, but I, most of the time we're in the grass, which is a really beautiful setting. So here's some of what we would consider your essential equipment to have to make a farmer's market stand work. Um, you need a canopy. It's going to be sunny hopefully most of your time, but not all the time. And we've gone through a number of different canopies, and kind of a number we came up with is if it's under $200, you know, it's probably not going to last you very long. Um, we have a brand called Easy Up. It looks very similar to this. Um, and it's the first canopy that we've had that with, has withstood more than one season. We've been using it for three seasons straight. So, you know, spend $200 every year or $150 every year or spend $500 and get something that's actually going to last. Um, it, it sometimes pays to have quality. Um, yeah, it was very evident one year last season when we had a major just storm just like just blew through. And uh, you could tell which vendors had the good canopies and which ones didn't because... Everybody had new ones next week, except for the ones who had the good enough ones that withstood it. Um, that was quite a little traumatic experience there. Um, good quality, we talked about that. Tables, you need some tables. You need places to put your produce. That's kind of a basic one. Again, it's nice to have tables that are going to last you for a while. Um, a tablecloth, you need something to cover those tables. It makes a big difference in how they look. You need a certified scale. You can find those on Amazon. You can find lots of different yeah, scales. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Yeah, so you can get any scale. I mean, you know, of course, you're going to want to pay a little bit more for it to get a, one that measures up to, um, you know, smaller quantities. But then normally how a market works is at the beginning of the season, they'll have somebody come around and test your weights, test your scales with weights and certify you so that it's a true scale. So you don't have to worry about the certification process. Usually somebody comes around and does that. And you also need some bags when people buy things. It's, it's important to have bags for them. We've found that it, it helps our sales if we put bags around the table so that people can, can come to your counter with bags of stuff and not just whatever they can fit in their two hands. Um, that, that's been a good thing for us. 
Um, it's important for, for branding to have some sort of sign, banner, something that clearly denotes your farm name so that people, and, and we, we still are working on that because we don't have the best solution. But you know, if your farm is named Bountiful Blessings Farm, maybe even make a banner that just goes across the front of your canopy. So from a distance, people can tell, oh, that's them. Um, and they can start to form kind of a emotional relationship with you and that name. Um, bag, bag holders are very helpful. These are cheap to get and save us a lot of time at the cash register. Just pull them out. There's a reason they always use those at the grocery stores. Um, nice baskets and boxes to put your produce in. Uh, we actually made some from scrap barn wood and it had a, has kind of a nice rustic feel and was essentially free. Price tags are very important as well. Okay, so we're gonna talk about these again later. Um, a cash drawer. This is, this is a bit of a custom cash drawer. It was old from something else long ago, a cash register. And you see those two uh, bars on the top that kind of point back, those hooks. Um, the boys welded those on there so that that's just the right thickness of our table. So it just kind of like slides onto our table. So we just, you know, push, it comes out, and, and it, it just really it's, it's attached firmly. Um, a chalkboard is handy. It's good to have a chalkboard, some, something to write on to highlight your items of the day so people can kind of see what you have at a glance. Or if you have like a big product, like say you're in strawberry season, if you've sold out of those, you still have them on the board there. You can go cross it out or something so people at least know that next week they might want to try to come a little earlier because you did have strawberries or eggs or blueberries or something. Um, a credit card reader. These are so easy to get. I mean, who? most people have a smartphone these days. If you have a smartphone, you can get a Square reader or PayPal reader or something or other reader uh, for free often, and they just will charge you a percentage. Uh, we're going to talk about that more in detail, but that you'd be missing out on a lot of sales if you didn't have the option to take a credit card. Um, and some sort of farm brochure. It's, it's nice to have a little bit of information to hand to somebody. It's like, hey, is this your first time at the market? Have you ever heard of, heard of Bountiful Blessings Farm? Um, if they say no, hand them this and they can take it home, read a little bit about the family. You know, our selling point is that it's like a family farm. And that's maybe something that makes us a bit unique in the Nashville area. And it's good to let them know about that. Display. Okay, so it's, it's important to have your display something attractive, something that people are going to be drawn to. And so that's one of our arrangements with where we have blueberries and, and cherry tomatoes overlapping there. And something that sets you apart, something that's unique. So look around at your market, see what other people are doing, and try to do something unique and something better. You're always trying to step the bar up a little bit. And at our market, we have, uh, well, we used to have <laughs> We used to have a, a booth competition, and whoever had the best-looking booth, they were awarded like a free month, or you know this or that. Well, we won it like three years in a row, and then they stopped doing it. But I think that just that I saw a difference between the other people's booths. Like they started putting a little more thought into their booth. So something unique, something that sets you apart. Tablecloths. You want them to be matching. And this seems like a no-brainer, but we see people at farmer's market all the time that have, you know, <laughs> Christmas trees on one and birds on the other. You know, just, they don't match. And 
you know, we, we know the stress of getting to market and you have so much going on, but try to make your display look nice. Try to have matching tablecloths. And this is one that we kind of break, but try to go with a non-distracting design, something more plain and simple. Now we started with the red check, I don't know, who knows when, years and years ago. And we've kind of stuck with it because it's part of our brand. And we're actually considering changing it this year to something slightly different color just because it is kind of competing for vegetables sometimes. So when you're starting out, just think of what's going to make your vegetables really pop? What's going to make them stand out, look really attractive, really nice? Which is usually some, some non-design, you know, something plain, something simple. And think about a color that's going to make the vegetables really stand out and look nice on. Adequate length, that's another thing. If you have your tablecloths just cover the top, then you can't hide your stuff underneath. You can't hide your empty bins, which you're going to have those. And it's really nice. We like to have our tablecloths go all the way to the ground, so we don't have to worry how it looks from the front. We can stuff the empty bins under there, and we can have our bins with kale so that we can restock. They're under there as well. And so it just it creates that consistent, nice look on the front, where the back you can access all your bins. Multiple layers. This is another. This is another thing. Stack it high and watch it fly. That's a that's a common saying with marketing in general, but it's very true. If you have five turnips, you'll probably sell three or four. But on the same day, if you had 20 turnips, you would sell 18 or 19. It's really hard to sell that last one. But so if you have a lot of stuff, just put it all out there. It's kind of you have this tendency, well, let's put out some and then we'll put out some more. But just just stack it. Just put a ton out there and you're going to sell a ton. Keep it, keep the quality up. You know, only take to market your best stuff. That can be hard sometimes because we know with farming, you know, the bugs come out and you got, maybe sometimes your stuff just look, doesn't look that good. That doesn't mean that you don't ever take stuff with imperfections, but just take the best that you have. So you're always offering people the top quality that you have. And keep it clean and fresh with sprayers. That's something that we try to do. We try to have a sprayer along with water, ideally ice water. We try to bring ice along so that we can spray our stuff because in the middle of summer, it's really hard to keep those greens, the kale, to keep it from wilting. So having that and spraying it consistently, I mean, that's what the grocery stores do. So we try to do the same, and our stuff looks even better than theirs. So now we're going to look at branding and signage. Nick mentioned some of these. Okay, so this is one of our signs that says Bountiful Blessings. I just painted it on canvas, and it's out at the front of our market stand. Burlap, sorry. And so it's important to brand yourself. Have a logo, have a name that you're displaying prominently. You really want people to attach to you. You want them to know where they got their stuff. So if somebody asks them, where did you buy your tomatoes? They're not going to say, oh, at the farmer's market. They're going to say who they bought it from. Because if they just say at the farmer's market, you're probably, you've just sent somebody to another farm that might be was closer to the entrance. So you need to have your name, your brand, so that people will remember, oh, I got this from Bountiful Blessings. She asked if we put like a business card in each bag. We don't because we have a lot of people that come every week. And so we try to have something, something uh, like a brochure. We'll show them to you. A brochure for the season. Or we'll have some little business cards that, that tell about the farm. And so anybody that 
hasn't been to the market or that we don't recognize will say, here, have you gotten one of our brochures? Have you read about our family? And with farmer's markets, you get a lot of people stopping by that they might be traveling through. You know, they're just in Nashville for the day. Um, and so there are a lot of people that you're not going to see on the regular basis. So we like to always have something by the cash register that we can give to them. And if they haven't been to the farm or if they have been a few times, but they don't know anything about our family and our farm. Because like Nick said, you got you to gotta find something that's unique to you. And for us, the family aspect is our strong point. And so we try to really show that through either the brochure. The brochure tells about our family. It tells about our apprenticeship program and tries to really connect people to the farm and the family that is feeding them. Um, talk about the chalkboard. Okay, yes. <laughs> we have pictures of these things. And so the chalkboard, we have, we set it out at the front. And like Nick already mentioned, we, we try to, and this is another thing, sometimes you just run out of time. So you just do the best that you can. But we try to have listed most of the things that we're going to have that day. And so like if it's the first day for strawberries, we're going to have that big at the top, try to catch people's attention that this is what we have, strawberries. So we'll have the list of, of everything that we're offering that day. And we like to have a special, so we'll have that on one side um, displayed. So like the special of the day, so if it's like um, two kales for $5 instead of three a piece. And so they're getting a sale if we have a lot of kale. Um, so that's something that can draw people into you if they see, oh, they're having a sale, or oh, they have strawberries. And then if the strawberries are gone, you just mark them off, and they're going to wish that they had been there, and they're going to come earlier next time. So I'm trying to think what else was on that. So we just skipped all that. I guess you'll, you can look on our Instagram to see some of those pictures. So branding and signage, it's very important to have your prices as clear as possible. So we have done so many different systems and right now what we're doing is we have black cardstock that we just cut to smaller pieces and we just use a chalkboard marker to write the name of the item and the price and tape them onto skewers and then you can stick that in a basket, you can stick it in a box, wherever you need a price tag. and. That's been the easiest thing for us to keep up with because prices change. Some days you're going to have a sale or you're going to sell it for a little higher because it's the last day you're going to have strawberries or whatever. And so that's just been the easiest thing. It's not a permanent thing, but every year we're kind of we're trying to critique it and make it make it better. But if people don't have to ask for the price, they're more opt to buy it. You know, if they see what the price is, they're going to pop probably get it, whereas if they have to ask for the price, that's kind of going out of their comfort zone, and they'll probably just go to somebody else who does have the price listed. So another thing you can do is specific varieties, so like tomatoes. We have a ton of different varieties, and so it's fun to kind of arrange them by the different varieties and put a name there, and then people get kind of attached to it. They'll come back, oh, I want one of those Tommy Maramuchus, and we can get them one of those if tomatoes. They if they <laughs> Well, that was, that was the fun one from last from last year and people remembered that name and they'd come back asking for those ones. Those ones were actually, I can't go back, but, or maybe I can. Those ones were actually on clothespins. But you can do the same thing with skewers. That was from a couple years ago. And they're actually stuck into seconds of those tomatoes. That made a lot of people sad. They're like, oh, you stuck it in a good tomato. <laughs> to us it was a second, but so it was mixed results. Yeah.
So a, f- a few tips just for interacting with the people. It's always good to ask them when they leave, say, what else would you like? Kind of, you know, positive reinforcement. You do want something else, don't you? And instead of like, you know, just ask them something. Is this everything you need? What else don't, would you like? Don't ask them, are you finished or are you done? Because that's an easy out. It's also important to get personal with the people. Try to, try to learn their names. That is a hard one for me. But I'm trying because, you know, if somebody, just imagine if you were a customer and you were walking up to a farm stand that you frequented and they said, hey, Nick, good to see you again. I mean, you're going to go where your friends are. And that, that is so important. Maybe you, you should even bring somebody who's just like a master at remembering names and they can just stand there and greet everybody. Maybe not. Know, how to produ- know your produce and how to cook it. That's a struggle for me. And they're like, oh, how do you cook your greens? Well, my wife cooks my greens, I think, like this. What temperature? I don't know. Um, but it's good to at least have her there so that you know, the, the women can talk with the women. And I am better. I, I'm, I know how to tell them how okra is cooked and a few other things. Um, and it's great to be able to suggest items. They do this online all the time. You add something to your cart, and they're like, oh, would you like this too? And if somebody buys green beans, think of something else that would go great with those green beans and try to sell them on it. But not too pushy. You don't want to be too pushy. Um, Okay, so here's another one. Um, Like I mentioned before, have those bags placed around, but have them in convenient places. Like have them, we have them by the potatoes where people are going to need them. Or by the green beans where people are going to need them. Um, And then another thing that we've really worked on, I, I think we might have a bit of a unique marketing situation um, in the number of people that we have come through. Uh, from when we talked about this before, it, sounded, it seemed like we had maybe a bit of a larger, busier market than, than many. But for us, trying to optimize the flow of people through our stand, especially at the first hour when things are crazy, was really important because we'd have people standing in line blocking other customers from being able to get to our stuff. So it's important to just kind of think about some layout ideas. This is where we're at currently. Um, we've moved our registers actually to this little side table so that the flow of traffic can kind of, you know, go around the table. They can see all the stuff. And then the line, let me see if I can just draw it here. The line of people actually kind of forms out this direction. We have two registers and, and that way they're not blocking the rest of the stand at all. They're just kind of blocking the aisleways of the market, which we don't care about quite so much. Um, Another thing we do during, throughout the day, as we begin to, our table supply begins to dwindle, it's better to maybe pull away a table or two and still have that look of abundance than to just keep all those tables out there. Because if you have, what did we have before? If you have six tables, whatever, five tables, and they're like half full, it's going to be better to have three tables and have them stuffed. So we'll sometimes pull tables away. Sometimes we'll even pull a canopy away. Here's another option. Have the register maybe over on the side instead of um, in the middle. Sometimes we'll even take another table away and you can go down to one register and put it there. Just kind of think about how the people can flow through your stand without making a bottleneck. Um, Cash management is important. And one of the best ways that we have found to to, to do kind of our cash management is through the Square Register app. Now, anybody can get the Square app for a phone or an iPad, but the Square Register app is specifically for an iPad. You can get a used iPad mini for $150 or less. And, and this, this, to us, really just changed the game for our marketing situation because 
Um, some of the things that this elim eliminates, uh, when people come up and they have 10 items, you don't have to add them up in your head anymore or add them up kind of on a sheet of paper. Um, it, it's got a lot of features that I'm gonna show you here in just a second. So let me, I'm actually gonna plug my iPad in and show you what it looks like and kind of how we use it. While he's doing that, does anybody have a quick question regarding anything that we've said so far? Yeah, so he's asking about Sabbath-only markets. That is a tough one. And back when we started farming, we were told that you can't do it if you're not going to sell on Sabbath. And I don't think that that's no longer true. I mean, obviously, we're proving that you can still do it. But it, it can be more challenging. And for us, the first market really in our area was a Sabbath-only market. And for years, that remained the best and the biggest market. But, you know, there people are... I would say they're looking for other days. You know, they don't necessarily want to go to market on Saturday. And so I would say that some of the other markets in our area have become just as popula popular. Like our market on Tuesday is, I think it was named like the number two market in Nashville. You know, so there are, I would say, just look in, look in your area. There should be some other markets that aren't on Saturday, hopefully. And I would just say those are only going to grow. Like instead of a chalkboard, we haven't, but that is definitely something that you can do. I have seen farms do that. For us, we, we are trying to keep with the rustic look, and so we like the look of chalkboards better than whiteboards. But whatever works with you and your style, you know, whiteboards definitely are easier to use and maintain probably than a chalkboard. It has a little more high maintenance. But so yeah, whatever works for you, chalkboards are great. As long as you can get the information out there and it looks good, that's what's important. So here's just a little bit of a quick tutorial just so you can have an, a concept of what's out there, what's possible for you to use. Um, when you get the Square app, you're kind of going to be presented, you're going to populate the list of items with your items. Um, and so, you know, we have everything from bags that we used to sell to beets and blueberries. And you, 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 in, you add an item, you can uh, tap the name like, you know, turnip. Um, you set a price for it. Now, if you leave the price blank, then every time you tap it, it'll give you an option to enter the price. For instance, tomatoes that you're going to sell by weight, you can leave a price as zero. And then when you tap it, it'll ask you every time. Or if you know it's $3 a bunch, you can put $3 and uh, add a picture. And so then once you kind of populate your list, what's really nice is they have these, you see at the bottom where it says one, two, and three, you have these different screens. And so this is the display that we use at market. So if people come up with a bunch of carrots, you see carrots top center there, you just tap it and it adds it to your sale list. Um, they got a bunch of beets, okay, I can see, well, we've got a few different prices because throughout the season we've changed it, but generally it's only $3, so it's a $3 bunch of beets. They got some radishes, looks like they got the bag, the, let's say the quarter pound bag of arugula, scallions, okay, your total's $13.50 and, and you're done like that. And you know, as you probably know, Square takes a bit of a percentage, but that's only for your, um, it takes a percentage, but only when you swipe credit cards. So we use this for not just credit cards, but cash. So let's, let's imagine a customer comes with cash. We'll hit the charge button. And this is also really handy. It's again, it's taking your mind away from the details and freeing it up to interact with a customer. And that's really the most important part about this. So, Across the top, it gives you the most common denominators of 
money options they're going to give you. They're either going to give you exactly 1350, might give you 14, 15, or a 20. And so if I tap 20, then the screen that pops up is there's the change I'm supposed to give them back. And you know, you don't even think about it. And yeah, it's the, it's bad for the math teacher because you're not doing your math, but you're not there to learn math at this point. You're there to make sales and interact with customers and make friends, and that's what's important. You can send receipts to people, you can text them, you can email them. You know, what, what, what we've ended up doing is because most people don't expect them at a farmer's market anyways, um, this square system is used all over the place. So sometimes, you know, they'll have bought stuff before and their number will just show up there. If the number shows up, then I'll say, hey, you want a receipt texted to you? Your number's already in the system. Oh, sure, you tap it. And so that's what we do. Yeah, so you can you can customize the order of, of all this. Um, you know, if you don't you come to you come to market and you don't have arugula anymore, you can just tap after you tap and hold. You can get rid of the oops. You can get rid of the arugula, and uh, and, and put something else in there. Or you can move it to another, or you can move it to another page. Um, actually, this button you can add a category. So when you tap herbs, instead of having a button for every last herb you sell. You can just uh, kind of have a little folder that jumps out to you. Okay, you got mints, and you know it all adds up. Now, if you if somebody buys tomatoes, that's by weight. This is what I was telling you before. You tap tomatoes. That's not a good example. Um, what's another one that's just purely by weight? Yeah, this is what essentially shows up. You can just type in. Okay, here's your scale, 325. We round everything we do at farmers market to the quarter, just so that we don't have to deal with all those other denominations of money. Um, and that makes it easy. We usually round in their favor unless it's just really, really close. Um, and so an another thing that we do, let me just show you this. So we added this this year. This is now switching from farmer's market advantages to now just farm planning advantages. If you're using this every farmer's market at all your farmer's markets, and instead of just in our case, you know, tapping kale, we've actually started, even though the prices are all the same, we've started tapping, okay, you got Russian kale or curly kale or lacinato kale. At the end of the year or any time in the year you want to, you can log on to the Square website, log into your account, and see how many of those items you sold over the whole year. I mean, that's kind of a helpful thing to see. You know, if, if you really went bonkers with the lacinato kale and hardly anybody bought the curly stuff you grew a quarter acre of, you know, you might want to rebalance that a little bit and it's it's nice to have some concrete numbers and the power of this app is is just really far even beyond this you can you can manage multiple locations and have different screens that come up for different markets you can write invoices we'll do this uh, you know if we go to a restaurant one of the options we have is uh, you know if we have a sale here of some kinds is to um, is to do, uh, do an invoice, and it just sends it to them, and they can pay it. It charges a little percentage. Um, I don't even know everything that this does. It's just really powerful, and there's no cost to you except for that 2.75% whenever they run a card. So even if you never want to run a card, you can still use the app. It's just a record-keeping market efficiency tool, and it, it's amazing for us. We also bought these little, like, $20 stands, so it kind of, like, sits there right in front of us on the table. 
um, good investment. You're going to have something. Yeah, and if you just think of the one or two sales that you have gained because you take card, you know, if somebody didn't come with their cash, that covers all the fees right there. So if you just keep that in mind, because sometimes at the end of the season, you, you look at how many hundred dollars you've spent on your fees, but those are sales that you probably wouldn't have made otherwise. And another thing I was going to say is we customize the front page. There, there's multiple pages that you can have there on Square. You can see we have three set up there. But normally we're just dealing with the first, the front page, the first number one. And so every, every market day on the way to market, we will customize that and make sure that only the items that we have that week are on there. And usually the most popular at the top, so they're easy and we try to keep the same order. So that way you don't have things that you're not selling and it's just easy, you can look at, and we like to have them all with pictures. There's a few in there now that don't have pictures, but that way it's just easy to see and then you know what you have that day. And we just got the pictures from Google. It was a lot easier than trying to take nice pictures of our own stuff and nobody sees it except for us. And just lastly, the last thing I'm gonna show you here is you can do a 10% discount. This is just something we do. We can do any, you can do any discount. If a CSA customer buys something at our market stand, we like to give them a discount just, just because they're a CSA customer. Um, did you have a question? So basically he was saying that you did a fart market for four months without it, you're saying, and then they started using the square register system that we're kind of talking about here and, and absolutely transformed their market experience. Um, okay, yeah, Mr. Echmendia. That's a good, it's a good question. It's ideal. You, so his question, thank you, is, is um, do you have to have data to run this? Um, it's ideal if you do, and the reason is um, we rerun two registers. This is one reason. If you run more than one at a time, they can sync together. If you update the price on one and they're connected to the internet, the, up, the price gets updated on the other one as well. If you don't have data, you can still take credit cards actually, but if their card is for some reason doesn't work, if it's been canceled, if it's out of balance, you're not gonna know until you get home and connect it to Wi-Fi. Um, and that's an important thing. You have to connect it to Wi-Fi within 24 hours and it'll process those sales. So it's a little bit sketchy. Um, might be worth looking into getting a tethering um, um, package for your phone. Granddaddy? Yeah, so that his comment was um, you can buy these little dedicated jet packs or something from Verizon or AT&T where you can it'll provide internet. Our solution, we have one iPad that we did spend a little bit more money for and it's an LTE 3G data kind of iPad. Costs $10 more a month to, to use our already existent cell phone plan and that's what we share it from and that works well too. Um, we have, any other questions about that? Yes. Oh man. I, I had a, Man, it's, it's, it's not going to be pretty. I'll, I'll warn you. I like everything that I show you to be pretty, but this is not going to be pretty. But I, I did because we wanted to show you all that, just not that we have the perfect prices or anything, but um, it's... it's I actually I left it on the screen the last slide. Yeah. You can go on. Okay, so we wanted to spend a little bit of... Yeah, okay, so we're going to put our price list as the last screen on at the last of the presentation because this is the last one for the morning. And so you can stay by and take pictures of it, look at it, and hopefully it'll work by then. So the last thing we wanted to cover is social media. And this is something that it's easy to shy away from, but it's, it's very important uh, part of your marketing. Who all is using social media for their businesses? Yeah, well, everybody is except you all. So we want to encourage you to use this. Okay, so why? Why do you need to 
do social media? Well, you want people to connect to you and you want to be able to have an avenue to tell your story. And like it or not, whether you are or not, everybody else, your customers, they are spending a lot of time on social media. And that is a way to get your farm into their home, into their pocket, in front of them on a daily basis. And the opportunities for growing your business are really endless. There's so many different things. And we, get, we hardly can scratch the surface of this today. Yeah, David Sharp is doing a whole track today on, on online marketing. But through, through like sharing of content, reposting, commenting, you then, like if, if one of your customers comments or shares something that you, you post, then that's reaching all of their friends. So the growth potential is enormous. Talk about encouraging, to, encouraging them to share photos of our stuff. Yes, yes. So one thing that we did, we have done in the past, is to encourage people to share pictures of, of the stuff that they bought. We asked them to tag our farm. And then if they post a, a picture of, say, their, their CSA box for, for that week, or what they made with their food, if they tag us, then they get something free at market the next week. They get a, a free bunch of kale. So it's just a little incentive. You know, people, if people really appreciate what you're doing, they're going to want to do that anyways, but sometimes they just need that encouragement and just reminder, hey, you know, post something. Or, yeah, go ahead with your question. Right, some people, some people will tell us, with social media, you can see who has tagged you in a photo, and so we'll just keep up with that, see who tagged us, and so if they didn't mention something, we might get them. But normally people will say, Right, so she's asking how much time does it take, and that's a, that's a very good question. It really, it can take as much time as you want it to take, and ideally you would have somebody dedicated to that, but most of us don't have that extra person to do it, and that's not a very healthy lifestyle either. So I would say just really focus it on it for business and not personal. You know, like, we don't, we don't do Instagram or Facebook really for ourselves. Um, but for the business, it's important. So if you, if you really shrink it down to what you need to do for your business, you can spend less time on it. But I will say, you just have to, with social media, you have to be patient because the results aren't overnight. You know, to get a huge following, it, it takes some time. But with perseverance, with knowing some, some strategies, some tricks, you can, you can do it. So there's, there's so many different social media avenues. There's countless. And if you tried to be on all of them, just forget it. You can't do any of them well. So you really want to focus on the ones that are going to help your business. And so we would suggest that you focus on Facebook and Instagram, particularly Instagram. Instagram, a lot of people are saying, is the real future. It's where most people are. And it's very visually based. And when you have a farm, you're offering produce, that is something very visual. And so that is where you should place your energies. Facebook, there is more people on it, but it is a lot harder. You have to work a lot harder for people to see your posts. The algorithms of Facebook are a lot harder to, to understand and actually get your stuff being seen. So Instagram is a way to get started. With Ideally, you have both, and you can link the accounts. So you can post on Instagram, and it goes straight to Facebook. So just, just a few tips and techniques. Like I say, we, we can hardly really get into this in the time that we have it. It could take a whole presentation or day in itself. But know what you're about and keep to it. So for us, we're a farm, we're a family. And so that's what we're going to be posting about. And keep to that because somebody's going to follow you because they want to know about the food that you grow and about your family. And so if you start posting other things that don't have to do with that, like politics, 
they're gonna unfollow you because they want to know. Half of them will. Yeah, it depends. <laughs> yeah, half of them will probably will likely unfollow you, and so you want to keep to what they're expecting. Okay, so yes, this is key. Take where where am I? Okay, so people skim through their feed very fast, so you've got to be posting things that they're going to connect with in a matter of seconds, and so some keys to that. Um, use the best camera you have possible. And if you just have your phone, you know, you can take great pictures with that too. But just, just try to use the best that you have. Make sure the subject is clear and well-defined, free from distraction. Collages are not the best. It's easy to get kind of in that groove of, oh, I'm going to show many pictures at once. But people don't stop and look at those near as much because it's too distracting. Like when they scroll through their feed, there's too many things and they just don't know what to focus on and so they just pass by it without liking it. And post no more than once a day. And this is something some people can think the more the better and it's not true. It used to be. The algorithms have changed though. So it used to be you could post as much as you want, you'd get just as many likes. But now if you post one picture on Instagram a day, you're going to get twice as many likes or views than if you would post two. And if you post three, it just goes down. Probably, maybe to just say it another way, you have, maybe if you got 100 likes on one photo that you'd post, if you posted two of them, Instagram is gonna disperse those to that same audience and you might only get 50 on each. So it's not like maybe necessarily you're getting double, but your likes are getting cut in half if you're posting multiple a day. We found that true too. Yeah, thanks for that. Tip. So an ideal photo would contain a person because people connect to people. And so a happy face and something unusual, something that is going to catch their attention. A photo that we posted recently that went really well was a picture of Joshua holding a giant celery. And that was something like people like, wow, you know, it was huge. You know, just something to get their attention, something unusual, something unique. The other thing is humor. People connect to something that's funny. So, and there's plenty of humor on the farm. So just try to document your everyday life, you know, so that people can connect to where their food is coming from. And this is another thing. Think about your ideal customer and then target that customer. You know, what does your ideal customer like? What are the things that they're interested in? You know, if they're, if they're buying your produce, then they're probably interested in, in fitness and health and organic. So try to target those things with your hashtags. We'll talk a little bit about hashtags. Um, I think probably food is probably one of the best Food and Instagram and photos just go along so well with people, so you're already in a good groove there. Um, I was just going to add on one thing about the, the, the linking of Instagram to Facebook, and Facebook in particular. Um, how many of you are aware of, let me start there, aware of Facebook's advertising possibilities that you have? have and, and then have, have any of you ever done Facebook advertising for your business or farm? Okay, so we've got, we've got one. I think so, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's something really to look into because unlike any other advertising platform out there, you can create an ad set that will be displayed to people within a X mile radius of whatever town you want. People who have interests in organic food or local produce. 
people who are within a certain age range. You could even target men or women or both. You can, you can narrow your target audience down to just the people who might want to see that ad about your new CSA offer that you're having this spring, trying to get customers to sign up. And you can spend as little as five bucks, and you know, you'll get it to maybe you know, 1,000 people, or you could spend 50 bucks, and it would go to 10,000 people in your radius of people who already have interests like that. Um, there's just a lot of potential. If you have an email list of your, your, your customers already, you can even upload that email address to Facebook. Facebook will, you can find out how to do this online. Too, difficult, too, too complicated to just tell you. But Facebook can look at that list of your emails, find them on Facebook, and say, okay, here's what their customer basis looks like. Your, your friend basis, those email addresses you uploaded, even if they're not your friends, actually. And it'll create what they call a look-alike audience. Find other people like this. So that, that term is look-alike audience. So you can you look up how to make a Facebook look-alike audience ad campaign or something. Um, and it's amazing to target you know, just those people you're looking for. So that is one of the powers of Facebook, even though Instagram kind of can get more likes and more action happening. Yeah, so I was going to say, we certainly do not have this all figured out. This is something that we are discovering to find out how to do better for our farm. Nick, Nick is doing social media for Jonathan and his business. So it's something that we're growing in and learning in now. And so don't like look at our farm for like the perfect example that we'd love for you to all, all to follow us. But as far as posting, I did say, you know, no more than once a day. But our, what we try to strive for and like right now in the winter, yeah, because I haven't done as much, it, it hasn't been this, but our goal is two to three photos a week. And you can up that if you have time, but you want to do what you do the best that you can. You, you want to be able to comment back, reply to people who comment on your stuff, and interact, have that interaction. That counts more than having one post every day that you don't have time to follow through with. So quality is better than quantity, so only do as much as you can do well. And yeah, so very brief on hashtags. You do want to, you want to use hashtags because how this works if you're not familiar with it, say you hashtag carrots on your beautiful photo of carrots. Well, then that puts that, people can look at the hashtag carrots and see all these other pictures of carrots. It's kind of this cyber folder idea. And so that is a big way that people can find you, not if you hashtag carrots. So that's one thing that we're going to just mention. So you want to use them, but use hashtags that are popular, that are specific to your location so that your customers can find you through these hashtags. So like for us, we're near Nashville, so we use that hashtag a lot. You know, so people who are Nashville CSAs, you know, Nashville food, um, something that is local to you so that you, know, you can get tons of followers, but it's not just all about the followers. You're trying to create customers. And so you want to target the people that live near you. And so use hashtags. Try to research you know, what, what sorts of things, like I said, your ideal customer. You know, they might be working out at the gym. Well, you, know, you might throw in some of those hashtags that might seem kind of random, but they're ones that they check. And so they're going to find you through those and say, oh, this is a cool farm. I need some place to buy organic food. So they're going to find you through those. So I. Everybody's learning style is different. I love podcasts because I'm very busy. And so I listen to a lot of podcasts. And these are a couple that I have recently been really enjoying on marketing, online marketing. So Shalene Johnson, I really like her stuff, but it just all depends upon your style. Everybody 
connects with different people. So I like the way she presents, and she also has some courses on Instagram and Facebook on using those things for marketing, so that might be something that you want to look into. Another one, online marketing made, made easy. So if, if you really want to be serious about marketing, which you really should, and you want to do as much research as possible and learn, learn the marketing ways, you know, learn how to really get your name out there and your brand out there, and it's gonna, it's gonna pay in the long run. I wanted to give you a few, and I didn't have time to really do this very well, but just some farms that really do well with their social media, and it's not that like they're just super good at marketing, but they post really cool pictures that people are really connecting with. Like the top one is Jess and Brian Powers. They live in, in Oregon, and their little farm has 48,000 followers. And they're just a little farm like us, but they're posting stuff that people are really connecting with. So that might be one to check out. Those are just a few that I just slapped in at the last moment. And, and these are all Instagram accounts. Yes. These are all Instagram. You could probably find them on Facebook, but you know they're posting pictures. So follow people that are doing what you want to be doing, and then you can get some ideas. And like, oh, that's a cool picture. I never thought of taking it in that angle. So those are just three. There's way more that could be mentioned that aren't mentioned, but just to get you started. Yeah, so web page. Web page is very important. And one of the keys I had written down for social media, you really want to be driving people to your website because that's where they make commitments. You know, that's where they sign up for your newsletter or they get on your mailing list or they find out about your CSA. You can't, you can't put everything on social media. And one way I like to think about it is you want your website, your homepage, which we're working on our website right now, but you want that to really be describing who you are with the pictures you really want people to see because people are coming to your profile at any time. And th the last picture they might see is like this random picture of you know, a frosted blade of grass. Well, they're not seeing pictures of your family necessarily unless they scroll back. So in our, in our, our profile, bio, whatever, which on Instagram is limited to a very few amount of words, but we have the link for our website. And so that takes people to our website, and then they can really see who we're about because we are putting the pictures we want them to see and the message that we want them to, to read. And with, with a business account, Instagram, which you can switch any personal account to business, you can see analytics. And so you can see how many people have gone to your website through your Instagram account. And it's quite astonishing, actually. At least we've found. Like, way more people than would have probably gone to our website otherwise. So you really do need a website, even if it's just simple with, you know, your homepage with a little bit about you and some pictures. Just something so people have that message. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.